This is a podcast from the Business Times. The week began Monday, September 12th on an upbeat note with the Straits Times Index stocks climbing 0.3% to 3,274 points in early trade following a slight rebound in the U.S. market on Friday. The Australian and New Zealand dollars struggled to extend a rally on Monday after outperforming their peers in the previous session, with traders wary ahead of key U.S. inflation data. Shares of Fraser's Hospitality Trust tumbled 24.1% in Singapore to hit a five-month low on Tuesday, September 13th after the counter resumed trading. This came after the staple group's managers failed to garner the approval needed for privatization at a ski meeting on Monday. At the midweek, Singapore shares declined sharply at the open, shedding 1.2% after stronger-than-expected U.S. inflation data triggered Wall Street sell-offs overnight. The benchmark Dow Jones Industrial Average fell 3.9%, S&P 500 dropped 4.3% and the Nasdaq Composite Index plunged 5.2%. European shares also retreated from two-week highs as the latest U.S. inflation data cemented bets for another large interest rate hike by the Fed. And Australian shares edged higher on Thursday, lifted by energy stocks on strong commodity prices while investors awaited the country's jobless rate. Market sentiment also improved in the US, with Europe also rebounding slightly at the open. It's Friday, the 16th of September. Welcome to Market Focus, a weekly look at market drivers and movements from the Business Times. I'm podcast editor Clarissa Montero. Today, Singapore shares fell slightly at the start of trading as a raft of economic data continued to weigh on global markets. The Straits Times Index declined 0.1% to 3,265.62 points at the open. In the morning, data from Enterprise Singapore showed key exports rose as a whole in August, but electronic shipments contracted for the first time in nearly two years. Non-oil domestic exports on Nodex grew 11.4% year-on-year in August, faster than the previous month's 7% expansion on the back of an increase in non-electronic shipments. On a seasonally adjusted month-on-month basis, however, Nodex shrank 3.9% in August, undoing the previous month's growth. Here's Candice Lee, research analyst at SGX Securities, with her wrap of the week. The SDI is marginally up for the week thus far, gaining 0.2%, compared to the broader FTSE APEC index, which declined 1.3%. For the third quarter to date, the SDI is sitting on a price gain of 5%, outperforming the APEC index 2.8% decline. With a year-to-date price gain of 4.6%, SDI is one of the best-performing indices globally versus the FTSE All-World Index 19% decline. Following the US August Consumer Price Index coming in higher than expected at an 8.3% year-on-year increase, markets are now pricing in a 75 basis point hike at the FOMC meeting next week and even a chance of a 100 basis point scenario. Sharp declines were also seen in major indices globally, with technology and growth stocks hit the hardest. The SDI, on the other hand, held resilient this week as one of the only indices which saw price gains. Across the Singapore sectors, utilities, materials and telecommunications were the best-performing sectors, while on the other hand, consumer discretionary and technology stocks saw the most declines, in line with global markets as investors seek defensives. 
a report published by a regional broker this week noted that companies with strong pricing power will have much to gain from the inflationary environment, as these players tend to have more stable profit margins when dealing with cost pressures. Hence, the research house is optimistic that Singapore and Indonesia, which are home to several giant consumer names, are believed to be among the biggest winners in the region. Outperformers for the week for companies with market cap of at least $500 million were led by EV maker NIO, which gained 20% this week. This was followed by First Resources, gaining 7%, and Yangzijiang Shipbuilding, gaining 4%. The latter continued its momentum this year after the announcement of securing a new contract this week, propelling its year-to-date returns to over 40%. From a fundful perspective, the Singapore market received $267 million of institutional-led inflows over the past five sessions ending Wednesday. This is led by financial services at $185 million, telecommunications with $37 million, and real estate, excluding REITs, with $21 million. On the other hand, REITs, utilities, technology, and materials were the only sectors that saw net institutional outflows during this period. In terms of individual counters, the top net bought stocks by institutions were DBS, OCBC and Singtel, with combined net institutional inflows of 212 million Singapore dollars. On the other hand, Fraser's Hospitality Trust, Capital Corporation and SD Engineering saw the most net institutional outflows, combined at 46 million Singapore dollars. Senior correspondent Ju Chan has further insights from the Business Times news desk. So, overall, risk sentiment continues to be cautious in Singapore and most of Asia this week, with the upcoming interest rate decision by the US Federal Reserve weighing on the minds of investors. The midweek collapse in equity prices was surely the highlight of the week. This came after the US overnight on Tuesday reported its consumer price index figures for August, which was, well, higher than expected. The hot US headline and core inflation figures sent markets sprawling. Why was this important? It's important because the US Consumer Price Index report can move the market pricing of the Fed's rate path, and it is the last key data point scheduled to release ahead of the Fed meeting next week. Singapore's benchmark Straits Times Index, or STI, fell 1% on Wednesday, and other key Asian markets were not spared either. Japan's Nikkei 225 Index, Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index, South Korea's Kospi and the Bursa Malaysia KLCI fell between 1.3% and 2.8%. This was somewhat of a shock, as the markets had started the week fairly quietly, with China, Hong Kong and South Korea markets closed for holidays. In Singapore, the SCI was generally stable, tracking gains on Wall Street as the bear market rally continued, up until that crash on Wednesday that erased gains earlier in the week. Thankfully, the market regained some poise after the effects of the inflation shock subsided as investors returned to buy the dip. The STI was up just 0.2% on the week, up to the close on Thursday. Still to come, we take a closer look at more news and drivers with Candice Lee and Duke Chan. Learn to protect and grow your wealth with BT Wealth editor Genevieve Kwa in her monthly podcast series, every fourth Monday of the month, with your trusted partner for financial information. Go to bt.sg podcasts to download. And now, back to market focus from the Business Times. Jude, it's been a choppy week. What are some standout counters? There were some interesting counters among the blue chip constituents this week. 
The top performers on the index were Yang Zijiang Shipbuilding and Jardin Cycle and Carriage. Yang Zijiang's strong performance comes after the company announced last week a new license agreement that will allow it to start constructing large liquefied natural gas or LNG vessels. This is a significant development as Yang Zijiang had previously been unable to penetrate into the large LNG carrier market. Perhaps unsurprisingly, the counter rose 4.3% in the week to Thursday. Meanwhile, Jardin CNC, better known as the Mercedes-Benz dealer in Singapore, gained 3.5%. The company earlier this month partnered with Taiwanese startup Gogoro, which has been awarded a sandbox pilot by Singapore's Land Transport Authority. Gogoro will deploy and validate battery swapping as a means for next-generation smart mobility. So under this partnership, Jardin CNC will operate and install Gogoro's battery swapping infrastructure in Singapore. Special mention also goes to integrated resorts operator Gunting Singapore, which has climbed 3.3% so far this week on heavy trading volume. Candice, give us some highlights of notable news of the week. According to the latest data from the Ministry of Manpower, Singapore's labour market continued to recover in second quarter 2022, with total employment reaching 99.5% of pre-pandemic level in December 2019 while retrenchments declined to a record low. The increase in employment was mainly contributed by non-residents, particularly in construction and manufacturing, as employers backfilled positions following the significant relaxation of border controls in April this year. At the same time, resident employment grew steadily in the first half of the year, with the largest increases recorded in growth sectors such as financial and insurance services, information and communications, and professional services. The Monetary Authority of Singapore has introduced a roadmap of growth strategies for the financial sector, with projections for over 3,000 net jobs created per year, with the sector to grow faster than the broader economy. The new Financial Services Industry Transformation Map sets out plans for Singapore to deepen capabilities and grow in areas such as sustainable and transition financing, private credit, philanthropy, and the digital asset ecosystem. MAS has also announced that $400 million has been committed to fund grants in a talent and leaders in finance program with the aim to foster a skilled and adaptable workforce. MAS estimates that the financial sector will create 3,000 to 4,000 net drops on average each year between 2021 to 2025. It also projects that the financial sector will grow by an average of 4 to 5% per annum over the same period. MAS and SGX jointly launched an ESG disclosure platform called the SGX ESG Genome to streamline disclosure for corporates and enhance access to quality ESG data. It will be offered free to listed companies on a voluntary basis. The platform aims to support companies in their sustainability reporting against the backdrop of increasing regulatory and legal focus on sustainability reporting and sustainable procurement in the supply chain. The platform received support from the ecosystem, including the Association of Banks in Singapore, Ernst Young, the Investment Management Association of Singapore, the Securities Association of Singapore, the Singapore Institute of Directors, as well as the Sustainability Reporting Advisory Committee. Deputy Prime Minister Lawrence Wong stated the sharp rise in Singapore's tax revenue for FY 2021 was partly driven by higher-than-expected collection of sentiment-based revenue, which cannot be relied on to meet the country's rising recurrent expenditure needs. 
According to the Inland Revenue Authority of Singapore, FY2021 tax revenue surged 22.4% year-on-year to 60.7 billion Singapore dollars. What revenue measures presented at Budget 2022 will proceed as planned, the government stated they have ensured that the majority of Singaporean households will not feel the impact of the GST increase for at least five years, while lower-income households will not feel the impact for about 10 years. According to Second Minister for Finance Indrani Raja, Singapore spent a total of 72.3 billion Singapore dollars on combating the COVID-19 pandemic over the last two financial years. The total expenditure was lower than the initial sum of 100 billion that the government committed, with 13.4 billion going to public health measures, 50.6 billion towards support measures for workers and businesses, and 8.3 billion Singapore dollars for direct households and social support. Local banks, DBS, OCBC and UOB have welcomed new customers as depositors take advantage of improved interest rates. OCBC said it saw a 50% increase in 360 accounts opened daily between 30th August and 6th September compared with the average number of accounts opened daily in August. UOB, meanwhile, saw 38% more one-account signups for the first three working days of September compared with the average number of account signups in the first three working days of the three months prior. An entity under Keppel Corp's O&M division, Keppel Offshore and Marine, was granted a temporary court order to prohibit payment on a $126.6 million US dollars in bilateral credit to a customer amid a claim involving a rig contract. Keppel does not consider there to be any material impact on its overall financial performance and will provide further updates as and when there are any material developments. Semcorp Industries spokesperson said that the latest UK energy cap is significant amid a number of other challenges, including the impact of the ongoing war in Ukraine and recessionary risks. The firm is monitoring and assessing the impact closely. This comes after last week's announcement by the UK Prime Minister that the UK will cap average annual household energy bills at £2,500 for two years starting from October 1st in the wake of rising energy prices. 1.3 gigawatts of Semcorp's portfolio of 16.6 gigawatts energy assets is in the UK, consisting of energy generation and battery storage. The rest are mainly in Southeast Asia, China and India. Manulife US Reed has announced that the enterprise-grade flexible space solution of JRL, Flex by JRL, has signed a management and licensing agreement to take up 15,400 square feet of office space at the Reed's property in US New Jersey. The Reed stated that Flex by JRL's initial commitment represents some 3.3% of the building's net letable area with options to lease further office space in two phases to make up a total of 7.7% of NLA by 2023. Manulife US REITs expects all three phases to have an estimated stabilised rent premium of about 30% to the market, with the building's new flexible working offering allowing the REIT to benefit from greater upside potential by sharing a majority of the operating profits with the operator. Candice, there were several acquisitions and divestments proposed by SREITs across the week. Give us some highlights. Ascendus REIT proposed to acquire a cold storage logistics facility in Singapore for $192 million. It will be the REIT's first cold storage facility investment in Singapore. 
as at 30th June this year, the property is fully occupied by five well-established tenants, including a supermarket chain and leading distributors of fruits and vegetables. With a weighted average lease expiry of seven years and built-in rent escalations of 2-3% to every three years, the REIT expects the acquisition to expand its customer base and strengthen its income stability. Parkway Life Read has entered an agreement to acquire three nursing homes in Hokkaido for a sum of 2.56 billion yen in a move to further expand the REIT's Japan portfolio. This will bring the REIT's Japan portfolio to 55 properties, totaling 725 million Singapore dollars in value. The acquisition will be made at 12.2% below valuation and is expected to generate an average net property yield of 6.5%. Fraser Centerpoint Trust announced the acquisition of an additional 10% interest in Waterway Point, a suburban mall in Pongo, Singapore, for 132 million Singapore dollars. This will raise its effective interest in Waterway Point from 40 to 50%. The REIT believes that Pongo is a growing and vibrant precinct, and Waterway Point is well positioned as a retail and services hub to serve the needs of the expanding population. Cromwell European REIT is divesting two light industrial logistic assets in Germany and one in France at a total consideration of 22 million euros, representing 28% premium. The three older-style warehouses were part of the REIT's IPO portfolio five years ago. The divestment will allow the REIT to recycle capital into other accretive opportunities. Jude, give us a quick peek into next week. The highlight for equity markets in the week ahead will be the Federal Open Market Committee rate decision on September 21st. This will likely overshadow everything else on the economic calendar. The overall risk environment is expected to remain fragile for the first half of next week. A hawkish Fed outlook continues to be a cause of worry, and investors will likely remain deeply cautious about potentially excessive monetary tightening. This has been Market Focus from the Business Times. I'm Clarissa Montero with Candice Lee, Research Analyst at SGX Securities, and Jude Chan, Senior Correspondent with the Business Times News Desk. That was a podcast from the Business Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast, or via the Google Voice Assistant Amazon-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.